Welcome to The Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. This week we're chatting to Craig Fenton, Director, Strategy and Operations, UK and I and Southern Europe for Google. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us. So, Craig Fenton, welcome to the Form Guide. Thank you for joining us. Great to see you. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. And I really enjoyed the uh, flock of seagulls, I, th- I believe it was. Uh, Indeed it was. Of yeah. the 80s. Indeed it was. But thank you for joining us. Um, and I thought you would recognise that being, you know, uh, so interested in music. And you, you've got your own music label, haven't you? I do, yeah. Big Community Records. Uh, we, uh, we work with um, artists from lower socioeconomic communities. Fantastic. And is that kind of a, a passion project for you? Where, how did that come about? Yeah, very much so. It came about through um, a, a mentoring relationship I had uh, with uh, the uh, what is now the artist, you know, the uh, founding artist, Quasi Court. And he was uh, teaching me all about what it's like to grow up um, effectively on the wrong side of the tracks in the ends of London. Uh, it's tough, um, yeah. is the uh, too long don't read. And, uh, and I was trying to help him out as, as best I could, realise his dream. And um, that sort of went to a, a fairly um, extreme extent. I ended up setting up a record label, signing him, and we released an album last year called Blood on the English Carpet. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, that is brilliant. Um, well, you know, I was, uh, we're going to talk about your um, kind of ideas of sort of active relaxation. And I'm sure that's kind of one of your projects to help you do that. For me, it's DJing and I love uh, kind of spinning a few tunes, hence the uh, the musical intro there. But um, Craig, you are Director Strategy and Operations for Google, UK and I and Southern Europe. And I'm keen to uh, get into what the day job is also is about. But you're also very interested in, in well-being and we're going to get into that as well. But first of all, a question, a question I always ask um, and that I'm quite getting quite renowned for now, and that is, how are you today, Craig? What's your score? I am a seven uh, today, slightly higher than your five. Um, it's a great little uh, tool that helps uh, sort of uh, give you that, that nudge that you need and also remind you what matters in terms of your well-being. Yeah, fantastic. And what's driving that seven for you today, Craig? I selected a combination of exercise. I actually went for the first run in a year yesterday, and I'm really feeling it started at my standing desk. I'm barely standing, honestly. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the other thing was, I think it was diet um, at the moment. So, uh, uh, you know, reasonably, I'm doing intermittent fasting, okay. uh, which sort of feels virtuous, but uh, not always um, fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it has its moments for sure. Um, and what, what does a perfect 10 day look like for you when everything's perfectly balanced? Perfect 10 would be, I think the thing that affects me most is a really good night's sleep. Mm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not great at doing that. Seven to eight hours is my target. And uh, often I'm, I'm more in the uh, six to seven hour bracket so a really good night's sleep but not only um, the duration but the restfulness of it so yeah. good deep sleep good REM sleep you know a nice mix I've got this uh, little ring it's an aura ring that I yeah. wear it's actually a wearable device and it gives me <laughs> I'm a data guy right so it gives yeah. me the readout in the morning how, how high quality my sleep was um, other than that I think it's sort of, sort of just having stuff under control and, and not having that sense of sort of being overwhelmed in terms of the uh, the, the the day job and 
um, you know, everything's stable at home. You know, those those three pillars will give me a good score. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And um, I must must segue into the aura ring. Tell me a little bit more about that and and how you use that kind of insights that it it, it, it generates for you. Well, it was triggered by a book I read actually called Why We Sleep. It's by Matthew Walker, mm. and Matthew actually came uh, along and did a talk at Google um, about eighteen months ago, and. Uh, it's probably one of the most transformational books I've read in the sense of behavior behavior changing. Uh, it, it turns out that sleep's important. It also turns out that you can't catch up, you know, on lost sleep. Mm. And those um, amongst us who who claim to be okay on two or three hours uh, a, a night are actually just wrong. You know, that's uh, physiologically and neurologically incorrect. Mm. Um, and there's some really famous figures in history, right? Um, Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, I think Churchill was a famously light sleeper. And of course, um, each of them in their own way uh, sadly succumbs um, at the end of their lives to uh, uh, neurological conditions, Alzheimer's and, uh, and things like that. And there is a linkage there. Uh, but that led me to um, be more conscious about my sleep and the recommendation that Matthew gave was the Aura Ring. That's uh, O-U-R-A, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I invested in that, and uh, it's been a great sort of little daily reminder. Brilliant. Um, and so that will tell you the quality of your sleep, and then you can sort of think forward into how you might set yourself up for better sleep if it hasn't been as good quality. Is that how you would potentially use it? Yeah, uh, pretty much. It um, it gives you a nudge. Hey, it's it's kind of bedtime, you know, yeah. based on your usual routine. So it yeah. uses your your routine. It will tell you um, how long you slept for, how much of that sleep was REM, so that's the dream yeah. sleep, and how much of that sleep was deep sleep. That's the sort of non REM uh, sleep and everything in between. Uh, and both of those or all of those states have a um, neurological function in terms of memory uh, reinforcement. Um, repair and, uh, uh, and and the health of our synapses and things like that. It will also tell me my heart rate and the, 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 uh, the rate that that uh, declines. So all of us have a lower heart rate resting uh, when we're asleep, as well as body temperature. Okay. So shortly after I had my COVID jab, I noticed my ring was telling me that my body temperature was elevated. I didn't feel like I had a fever. Yeah. but it was noticeably higher. So it's, it gives you all sorts of interesting statistics. Yeah, fascinating. I'm going to check that out. Well, as you saw, my, I'm a five out of 10 today, and I'd say indirectly sleep is the, the issue that's driving that. I've got long COVID and hay fever, and the two are colliding into a rubbish night's sleep. So um, they'll, they'll get worked out. But yeah, a bit of low form today uh, today as a result. Um, Sorry, yeah. uh, thanks, Greg. Thank you, mate. So um, quick fire round. This is not something I've asked you to prepare for, but we, we uh, um, have a little bit of fun and ask some questions. If mental health were a, what would it be? Uh, so the first thing that comes into your head, if mental health, Craig, were an animal, what would it be for you? Mm, um, a dog. Why dog? Uh, it, I see a dog as sort of um, energetic, playful, uh, loyal, it somehow sort of has this sort of guardianship character. Uh, to it and um, it sort of uh, stays stays by your side it's sort of like uh, the animal manifestation of a guardian angel guardian angel yeah I love that and the playful nature of the energy yeah no, I like that as well very good um, if mental health were a color for you Craig what would it be green why green uh, at least when it's good uh, well I associate green 
uh, with good. You know, uh, it's go, the traffic yeah. light. Um, I love uh, spring. Springtime is my favorite season, uh, yeah. particularly when the very light-colored uh, blooms start coming out, the early buds on the trees, yeah. the daffodils coming up, and, and the whole place becomes more green. It's an uplifting uh, uplifting sensation for me. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that's those green shoots. I like it. And obviously mental health, uh, we light up buildings for Mental Health Awareness Week and the green ribbon. So there's a, there's a good connection there as well, I think. Um, so if mental health were a food, Craig, what would it be? A food? Well, the, the, the choice there is it a, is it a sort of sinful uh, uh, food or a, uh, a virtuous one. Um, I'm going to say chicken supreme. Is that too uh, granular for you? No, um, no, no. Take more granular bread. better. Okay, well, it's um, a particularly sort of a properly bred uh, chicken, not one of those ones from a factory, you know, from yep. the local high street butcher. Um, nice and uh, nice and tasty and thoughtfully uh, raised. Uh, I just love, I love that food. It's a simple food. Uh, if it's cooked well, it can be absolutely uh, delicious. And, uh, and, and also gives you that sort of cuddle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Comfort food for, me, for for the answer, I think, is a good one. So Chicken Supreme, I like that. Um, if mental health were a song, Craig, what would... What, and that's going to be a difficult one for someone who's into music, but what, what comes to mind there? Wow, if mental health were a song... You know, I've just, uh, I've just invested in a vinyl record player yeah. and uh, I've, been, uh, I've been listening to a lot of... Uh, Pink Floyd yeah. uh, recently, and you know these are records that are made to be uh, to be listened to. So I'd probably say "Wish You Were Here" or something like that. Yeah, great track. Love it. Yeah, 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 great track. It's just uh, not because of the lyric per se, but it's just because of the feeling it, it gives me. I find it uplifting and a, a sort of journey that takes you uh, to different places through the duration of the track. Yeah, yeah. Some of the, the Pink Floyd tracks are absolutely epic, aren't they? In that that journey, I do do enjoy yeah. them for sure. Okay, a couple more. If mental health were a holiday destination, Craig, where would that be? Maldives, no question. Uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world. I'm a keen uh, scuba diver. It's yeah. a wonderful place to dive. Very clear water, pristine islands, uh, a real sense of uh, being in nature, and also luxuriating to some extent. So it's yes. another sort of form, form <laughs> of travel. Absolutely, yeah. You're taking me back to my honeymoon. We, my wife and I, we travelled around the world, sort of flash packing, yeah. But we were on a budget, and then we'd already booked this amazing on stilts in the Maldives place, and we almost felt guilty that there was so much luxury we were having after the the backpacking around the world. But it was amazing, and uh, yeah, take takes me back, Craig. Um, what flash packing did he say flash packing? flash packing yeah so you know flash packing it's like backpacking but when you've got a little bit of money so you tend to do you do it later in life um, so you, you don't you don't tend to stay at the the dingy hostels but you're right, still right. you know you've still got a backpack and you're going around the world so it's flash sort of like glamping yeah, a bit like glamping. <laughs> yeah, but we uh, we did yeah months in South America and then travel all around and um, yeah yeah New Zealand, Australia, through India. It was it was brilliant, but you just stay in a bit better accommodations, which was cool. Amazing. Well, you chose the right locations uh, there, certainly in the southern hemisphere. Not that I'm by. Yeah, absolutely. So, final one for you, Craig. If mental health were a sound, what would it be? I think a, a jazz tune. Um, again, I'm sort of back to the, the song, but I, I love the uh, the spirit of jazz um, for a couple of reasons. One, there is a sort of discernible um, mel melody or a thread that runs through it, 
but it's also um, uh, wonderfully um, uh, random in a way. You sort of riff off that that melody and disappear in uh, in different directions, um, which for me is kind of like you know what the mind is. It's uh, you know sometimes you have a, a sense of focus, but every so often you catch yourself off down these tributaries, these neural tributaries yeah. that this uh, wonderful organ inside our heads take yeah. us on. Brilliant. Um, so what's coming to mind? I was trying to sort of piece these together and it's quite difficult, but you're in the Maldives. You've you've been um, submerged in this amazing scuba dive where you've seen this cacophony of colour. You, you've come up, you've got so the best ever chicken supreme is waiting for you and your, your partner to eat in this sea of green around you with yeah, a bit of jazz leading later into an epic Pink Floyd track. That's kind of the vision I've uh, I've got there. So thank you for thank you for sharing that. So, Craig, we're going to talk about kind of you know well being in the workplace um, and um, explore a little bit of that. But first, I just want to touch on your out of office, and I'm just going to read uh, an element of it because it, it just really I think it's brilliant and setting such a good example of role modelling. And I received this from you uh, over the weekend. Your magnificent message is landing in my inbox. Uh, during a weekend or a public holiday. My family is my focus during this time and I don't check or respond to emails during weekends or holidays. So your email is like a precious thought in a time capsule that will mature and no doubt delight me when I open it the next working day. I hope the anticipation it heightens the joy of my reply, etc. I love this, Craig, you know, and I, I love it because um, you actually made me feel good with the reply that, that my email does matter to you. Um, but actually, you, your priorities are firmly, I'm not looking at this, I'm focusing on family. And as a senior leader in a workplace, the serious bit of this is you're setting an example to others, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit cheesy, isn't it? But I, I like it. I, and, and I hope it also brought a smile to your face as well, because that's that's also the intent. We need it, a little, little yeah. joy in our lives, even it, on email. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, um, so thank you for that. And, and yeah. Email, we've discussed this before, can be you know a, a negative force uh, for our well-being, can't it? And and it's obviously can be quite overused in the workplace. Um, what are your thoughts on how we could be better at, at using email from a well-being perspective? Yeah, this all str sounds strange coming from a Google guy. You know, Gmail is a big uh, product within our suite. Um, yeah. But uh, personally, I, I I dislike email not because of the um, you know the utility of it actually well used it's a very useful uh, tool and it's why that we're you know why we're all sort of uh, on it but it's pernicious um and relentless and i think um on average it's poorly used mm. uh, we get way too many uh, already we get more information you know in a day than our medieval ancestors got in a year yeah uh, so we live in a noisy world already and uh, email is one of the biggest contributors uh, to that just relentless uh, the uh, activity of sort of CCing people um, for what reason is, is unclear. Long emails when you can, you know, if you took a bit more time, perhaps write it in a, a, a shorter way. Yeah. All of these things, I think, add up um, as, a, as something that I hope your listeners are sort of nodding to in unison yeah. saying, yeah, that's right, isn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, emails are a bugbear of mine. And um, I think it's very useful. Uh, in order to um, efficiently distribute a message to a number of people that they need to know. Um, and pretty much for everything else, I think there are better ways of communicating with one another, either face-to-face, -face, virtually like we are at the moment, or physically once we're back 
in offices um, or uh, using a more um, uh, organic sort of synthesis of that, like a chat uh, yeah. app, which actually can also be pernicious, but I think it's better than email. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. So, um, yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. So talk, talk me through a little bit about your current role, the day job, and, and you've made that transition from being a, you know, a management consultant to, to working in-house at Google. Just talk, talk me through what that's been, been like for you. Yes, yeah, so the current, the current day role uh, you accurately described, I'm the Director of Strategy and Operations. The name is fairly descriptive of the role, so it's about planning, uh, forward planning the business on a one year and, and uh, when we've got a little bit more predictability on a three-year horizon. Uh, I co-create that strategy with uh, along, alongside my uh, peers on the leadership team and then operate uh, the business uh, to that plan, hopefully, mm. um, which involves things like uh, defining how we measure success, we call those OKRs, yeah. uh, <laughs> as well as sort of making uh, decisions on where we put resources and investment and, uh, and so on. Um, so it's, it's what most traditional companies would call a combination of the chief operating officer and the chief strategy officer sort of rolled into one. Uh, that's what keeps me busy during the day these days. And of course, Google, for the most part, although it's a multifaceted business, from a revenue perspective, it's still primarily an advertising business. Um, you know, Google search, YouTube for, for video and, and the display uh, ads that we see. We also have a, a very fast growing cloud product. Android is the ecosystem inside the Google camp. Uh, so it's got many facets, um, but most of it's sort of spent in, uh, in that uh, advertising uh, world. And that for me was a very new thing. Um, you, you rightly said I, I came from management consulting. I was with a company called Accenture for many years, um, always in the technology space. Yep. So technology is something that I've been in for almost 25 years. Uh, but um, coming uh, from a business-to-business -business services business, which is what uh, management consulting is, into essentially a consumer business sort of that is monetized through the uh, ads products and other products that we have was a very big, big uh, step, and it, it was a big change for me. Yeah. Um, the other, the other change I would say is, you know, I was a road warrior, what they yeah. call road warrior. So although I've uh, lived in London for 23 years now, uh, and was based in London, I used to travel abroad. I looked after a region of 124 countries yeah. at Accenture, and I was in one or more of those countries every week from Monday to Thursday. So mm -hmm. for 10 years, essentially, I worked away up to five countries a week which is absolutely I mean it's wonderful but exhausting yeah. um, and it really does limit um, your ability to pursue things that are more of a luxury when you've got a, a predictable sort of land-based job or at least a, a stable sort of location uh, so that was a big change both in terms of the substance of what I was doing moving from business business services uh, to uh, essentially an advertising business uh, and also the routine of, of being uh, UK bound. My wife was actually pretty concerned that I was going to be home seven days a week. That was a big change for her. Uh, not sure if it's welcome, but uh, it was for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, I mean, an interesting choice of words: the luxury of routine, right? And I think, um, yeah, actually. To, to have that balance to 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 have that balance between home and, and work and pursuit of other activities it's probably more of an essential than a luxury isn't it yes I think so and, and um, 
like many people, I absolutely thrive on variety. Um, yeah. I could think of nothing worse than um, doing a, a nine to five job where the thing that you show up to do is exactly the same one day after the other. What I mean by the luxury of routine is a sense of predictability and control uh, around your schedule. And I think the liberty that that gives you is you can explore many passions. My work for me is a passion. I love it. Yeah. I enjoy it. I get out of bed in the morning with a skip to my step. Uh, can't wait to get to my desk because I really enjoy what I do. But it also allows me to explore the things that uh, my work doesn't give me that I also find interesting, whether it's um, flying planes, I'm a pilot. Uh, so, you know, that's a, a passion of mine. We talked about the music label. Yeah. That's a passion of mine and sort of the uh, feeling of being able to help somebody, you know, in a very meaningful way. I, I, love, I love doing that. I'm an angel investor, so I invest in small startups and work with young entrepreneurs. Yeah. All of these things are sort of things that I am able to do because I've got a predictable uh, routine. Yeah, yeah, it's that predictability, isn't it? I agree. And and you, you you talk about this concept of active relaxation, and I guess you've got all of these projects that are, are, are quite active or pursuits that are quite active, but they're away from work. How, how do you find that impacts your, your well-being? And, you know, how do you... I guess, yeah. How how have you come to having these 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 different passions? Um, it's impacted my well-being tremendously. It's kind of I, I'd liken it to a balanced diet. Yeah. Like I said, I like chicken supreme, but if I ate chicken supreme always every day, yeah, um, I probably wouldn't feel very nourished, and I'd get a bit bored after a while. So having um, a bunch of side hustles or passions that. Uh, you explore outside work gives you that sort of balanced mental diet yeah. where you're doing different things. Uh, for me, I like to be active in a way and sort of be building something or creating something or uh, conquering a challenge. That's my way of relaxing. It's not everyone's cup of tea, yeah. but that, that suits me. Um, but it enables me to do that across um, multiple facets and disciplines and all of which sort of give me something uh, different, a, a different type of nutrition, if you like. Yeah, nutrition, uh, nutrition for the mind. Yeah, I like, uh, I like that. But it is about balance, isn't it? And it is, I think, it's interesting with with form score. We, um, as you've seen, we can track what's influencing people's scores. They can put in the the drivers of form, and and we did the stats for March, and we saw that the two biggest negatives on on form were stress, which is expected, and work, and. It's really interesting, isn't it, that, that work for many is not a force for good in, in, in their lives. You and I both have that spring in the step and we're passionate about what we do, which is brilliant. And I'm very grateful for that. But for many, work is can be a drain on, um, you know, on their form. And, and yet through the lockdown, most people have been spending more hours at work, even though they've lost their commute. And it doesn't quite add up, really, does it, in terms of being intentional about managing well-being and making sure there is that balance there? No, that's right. I mean, and, and let's sort of spare a thought um, and, and reflect on how fortunate we are to have jobs at the moment, right? There's, there's yeah. a lot of uh, people in this country who are incredibly talented, who are unfortunately through no fault of their own have have lost their jobs during yeah. COVID. And, um, you know, my thoughts go out to them with my best wishes uh, to, to get that right. Um, but I think the, um, uh, the, the thing about work, you know, I, I, I have a lot of conversations with, with people about um, work and, and careers and, and, and so on. And 
I think the most common um, error uh, is to focus on the what rather than the why. I believe why is the right question. Why are you doing what you're doing? What is it serving a passion that lies beneath? You know, it takes a long time, or at least in my my case, it did, to get really to get to know yourself mm. and what floats your boat. What are those things that make you sort of lean forward and light up and talk a little bit quicker and 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 just you know have that sort of sense of enthusiasm? These are all physical markers and mental markers of something that you're truly passionate about. That's your why. Yeah. Um, Yet we, uh, many of us sort of end up um, in sort of inertia or sort of falling, stumbling forward into a what, you know, a version of a job um, that doesn't uh, uh, fully uh, serve that way. Um, So if that seems esoteric, I mean, I think it's, um, look, there's boring parts of everyone's job, there's boring parts of my job, but the balance needs to be right. It needs to be overwhelmingly eclipsed. Yeah. by the things that you're doing that really light your fire in some way. So yeah. I'd encourage you, if you're listening to that, thinking actually, you know, work's a source of stress, I don't really like it. Hey, take a step back. Ask yourself the question, what is your why? Mm-hmm. Uh, and write a list of the other things that could serve that perhaps in a slightly better way and then take active steps towards it. Yeah, uh, I think I think you're right, and and you know, thank you for calling out the fact that 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 many people will be you know not having that luxury of a job right now, and um, my thoughts are with them too. Um, I was talking to to someone called Daryl Woodhouse, who is um, his focus is on kind of you know helping people improve their productivity and an intersection of that with well-being, which is quite interesting. But one of his tools is looking at within somebody's job, the amount of time they spend on things that they're good at the amount of times they spend on things that they enjoy doing and the amount of times they spend on things that they're not good at and don't enjoy doing. And it's quite surprising, isn't it? If we look at that sort of level of audit of how we're spending our time, often we'll be focusing on things that somebody else could be better placed to be doing or that actually are a drain on our energy because we really don't enjoy them. And, and sometimes we can probably rebalance that portfolio if we, we look in a bit more detail, can't we? Yeah, hundred percent, and and um, that that's um, you know uh, the way that you described it is is super meaningful and sort of sub- substantive in the sense of a sort of full job audit. But it, it can also be really simple, right? Look at your calendar, look at it sort of four weeks out, and figure out which of those meetings gives you joy, yeah. uh, is meaningful and valuable, and which ones don't, and cancel the ones that don't, or don't attend, <laughs> or lessen the frequency, or or, yeah. or something like that. So. Quite mechanically, we can re-engineer uh, our our work life. I'd love to uh, read more about Daryl's work on that. I mean, there's a there's a technique that um, I think we can borrow uh, from home life. Uh, Marie Kondo, you know, yep. the famous yep. uh, stop, draw, tidier, and and so yep. on. She wrote a book recently called uh, um, Joy at Work or the Joy of okay. Work or something yeah. something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. But it, it applies this sort of sense of decluttering, um, keeping things in your life that give you joy and thanking and, and then discarding uh, yeah. or reciting things that don't. It applies that to the workplace. And we can all do with a bit of digital decluttering and, yeah. and sort of work auditing, can't we? And it's springtime, right? Yeah. At, at the time of filming anyway. So good time to do a spring clean, right? 
Absolutely. Sprinkling green shoots, declutter your work life, focus on the things that we're enjoying and thinking about our why. Really important to understand why we work in our purpose um, and whether we're getting that from our current role or the way that we're working. Um, really interesting stuff. So let's um, inspire a bit of decluttering, Craig. I'm up, I'm up for that. Um, so talk me through, if you don't mind, the aspects of your role um, around well-being um, and, and really why um, you've sort of gone down the route of, of taking some responsibility for, for well-being within, within Google and within your team. Well, I'll start with the second question first. Uh, I, I've been fortunate to have a bit of an archipelago in my career. Uh, the contrast between the road warrior management consultant and actually we didn't talk about this but before that I was a court lawyer I was a barrister okay, I had right, yeah. horses hair wig and robes and all that sort of thing so I've seen a quite a quite a few sort of um, uh, I guess phases of, uh, of career and, and compared lots of different organizations to this and um, I've come to understand and believe deeply that well-being and and culture is a choice not a necessity, right? I, I don't accept um, a, a, the statement that, well, my job is X, Y, or Z, and therefore I need to. No, you don't. Uh, if you set that expectation, even if you're in a client services organization with your clients and you imbue that culture from the top down, um, you know, that can be a very deliberate choice. And guess what? It's not going to affect productivity, revenue, profitability, if anything will go up, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I've come to uh, believe that deeply. Um, I, I, I feel a, uh, um, a calling uh, to be an advocate and proponent of it because I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly um, and uh, do something about that from a sort of leadership point of view. Mm. At Google, we measure everything, uh, including um, how our people feel about working uh, with Google. We call it uh, Google Geist. Yeah. Um, survey, um, many, many questions, and it gives us a real granular finger on the pulse on how, how people feel uh, about the place. Everything from their ability to detach uh, from work through to um, the ability to get stuff done and uh, right through to sort of performance and rewards and things like that. And it's been, you know, well documented in, in many books and uh, articles. So that gives us a real um, sort of sensitive barometer for the mood music in the organisation. And like most organisations, you know, Google's no different. It's just made up of people like you and me. Uh, COVID's been tough. Sure. You know, it, it's been a huge um, step change, and that has affected well-being, particularly for people whose circumstances uh, make work. Tough. Maybe they've got young kids and they're trying to sort of balance homeschooling, uh, or maybe they don't have a good uh, setup. I'm very fortunate. I'm standing at a, a home office desk, a standing desk. I've got a skylight here. Um, you know, there's space, but that's not the case for many who have been working from the ironing boards or their uh, or their couches. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, that um, that gives us a sense of. of uh, of, of well-being. Well-being is very personal and it, it means different things to different people. So the role that I have in Google, I lead well-being as a, a sort of pillar, a strategic pillar within my function, the strategy and operations function in EMEA. And I also have a role on the global movement uh, around this. Uh, and uh, it sort of gives us a bit of a sandbox to play with different ideas and experiment yeah. with uh, different things. Yeah, brilliant. And you, you I really want to pick up on the words you use there, strategic pillar. 
Um, so is well-being treated as a strategic pillar and, and what would be the other pillars that it would you know, have sort of credence alongside um, in other strategic pillars? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, well-being is a strategic pillar. Um, you know, people, the, the, although people probably perceive um, Google and others like Microsoft and Facebook and Amazon as the sort of tech, the tech players, here's the, here's the reality. Uh, there's no value in and of itself in technology. It's yeah. its application and its, uh, its, its usage and uh, the wrap that we put around it that's valuable. Uh, and that's, 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 uh, that comes from all of us. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I say quite, of, quite often that the digital age is more than ever a human age. Um, we believe that deep, deeply at, at Google. Uh, I believe that deeply uh, personally as well. And, um, you know, and, and it's really important to, uh, it's everything to um, look after your people because that's, that's the real asset, right? Platforms and functions and all the sort of algorithms, they'll come and go. The people yeah. are the asset in the company and they need to be looked after. Yeah, yeah it's, good. it's good to see. And, and, and talk us through a few of the sort of achievements from a well-being perspective that you're kind of proud of uh, that you've, you've seen or you've implemented in, in your well-being roles. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not ready to call victory. Oh, no. I think it's an yeah. ever, you know, it's an evergreen um, challenge yeah. and um, there's always room for improvement. Some of the things, some of the initiatives we've taken that our people have told us are, uh, are helpful. Um, uh, for example, we introduced a wellbeing charter. Think yeah. of this like a sort of statement of principles. Um, I'll give you one example from, from, from my team. If you have a, uh, a period of very sort of peak work and it's, it's intense and meaning sort of longer than 10 hours a day um, for a little bit, then you get to take a me day uh, or days, depending on the intensity of that. So it sort of balances itself out. Uh, we also attack things like how you use email and those things that sort of can intrude and clutter um, one's, uh, one's life. And we, we really uh, draw a ring fence around holidays. You, you read from my out of office message before, but it's really, um, uh, it's really sort of deeply ingrained. If you're away, um, you know, you're away. You are not disturbed. And, uh, you know, I have a pretty, you know, pretty big job with a big company. I would get no emails, maybe one or two errant ones that escape over a weekend. Yeah. Again, that is, a, that is a corporate choice. So the Wellbeing Charter has been useful. We've got a speaker series. So we get really interesting, inspiring speakers along. My last guest was Anton Oliver, who was the captain of the All Blacks rugby team yeah. for a period. He was 13 years, I think, uh, in total in the All Blacks. And he talked about resilience. You know, if you're a professional sports person um, and you've just lost a match uh, in the quarterfinals of the World Cup, uh, to France in Cardiff, as he did, yeah. you know, that takes a lot out of you and it takes great um, resilience to sort of bounce back mentally yeah. uh, from that. We had um, uh, Maya Bruni, who's a British sprinter. Uh, yeah. She may actually represent Italy because she's got dual nationality. Yeah. And she talked about the importance of nutrition, that sort of smorgasbord or that balanced diet that helps you mentally as well as uh, physically. We had... Uh, uh, Katrina Hassan, who's a Marie Kondo consultant, talk about digital uh, decluttering. Mm -hmm. uh, so the speaker series sort of gives us a, a little mini holiday in the middle of the day to listen to something and give us that nudge. 
this uh, quarter we've got a thing called Restival. 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 Have you, uh, you a Jerry Seinfeld fan? Yes, yes. Yeah, what was that? Festivus for the rest of us? You know, <laughs> that's, that, that, that's right. Yeah, yes. Kramer, yeah. Is it Kramer or whatever? I can't remember yeah. the character. George Costanza, yeah. perhaps. Uh, anyway, but this is Restival. That's our sort of take on that. And uh, this morning, for example, I attended a brain food um, session that was part of that festival. Um, we had an expert join us from California talking about um, the impact of diet on the gut and how that influences uh, serotonins and, uh, and those other brain chemicals that affect our well-being. So we've got a little series there. Uh, we address policy issues. We talked about email. We've uh, you know got strong guidance around vacations, uh, calendar management, that sort of thing. And then, um, you know, the rubber hits the road, of course, in the day-to-day -day management. You know, people like me who have a, a, a team and a set of direct reports and reports that report the, to them yeah. and being really active and mindful and uh, intentional about well-being every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I use that word being intentional about well-being quite a lot, which is important. And, and before we went uh, on air, Craig, you were, you were talking about the kind of no meetings week as well. Um, talk, talk, talk me through that a little bit because I haven't heard that that done um, so frequently out there, and I think it's uh, quite an important initiative. Yes, yeah, so we're in a no internal meetings week this week, and um, uh, probably this all, this is going to happen quarterly. Um, but it's a wonderful chance to sort of clear the slate. Uh, like many businesses, we are, we are a client centric yeah. uh, organisation, so it's you know obviously okay to look after our our clients, but boy, I tell you what, it certainly clears some clutter if you take out all internal meetings. You and I are meeting only because you, you know you and I don't work for the same company. So yep. you, you know, for me, you're an external meeting. Yeah. Um, and that's been wonderful. It's been a great way of getting the head down and doing some deep work without distraction and getting some real sort of deliverables, you know, rolling your sleeves up. You don't have to do that with my T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's wonderful. And, and so that's a, that's probably a, going to be a quarterly thing. Um, beyond that, we have already have and have had for some years a no meeting Friday rule. Yeah. So we just don't have meetings um, on Friday. And that becomes, uh, again, a day that you can set aside to do deep work and, and crack through things. And look if you've reached the end of your to-do list um, uh, with your spouse and uh, uh, get out on the bike and, and, and do some exercise you know we care about output not input. yeah brilliant there's something I, I do that as well I try not to put uh, well I don't put meetings in the diary on Friday and a few will then creep in it gives you some space to put some in but it's just a, a relief, isn't it, when you, you 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 get to Friday and you think, oh, actually, there's there's nothing in there today, and I can focus on what I need to achieve. And I think that's really interesting when we look to the kind of future of work and um, how we're conducting our work and where we're doing our deep work. What, what's your view of as to how you see the future of the workplace? I guess both in and out of Google evolving as a, when we come out into these new hybrid working models and and going forward. Well, you know, COVID, like most crises, um, has had positives and negatives. Um, we, you know, we tend to uh, get uh, a little consumed on the negatives, at least if you sort of read the newspapers and consume the the, the news a lot. And um, no doubt, it's been a um, you know a global uh, impact that has changed all of us in in many ways. 
uh, and, and for many in a, in a tragically negative way, those who have lost relatives and, uh, and, and so on. Uh, thoughts um, go out to them. But I think in, at the same time, uh, it's caused us to think about work in a different way, out of necessity. So, you know, at, at Google, I mean, this sort, this sort of interaction on a, a, on a video call is pretty normal. For yeah. many organizations prior to Google, it was absolutely unheard of. Mm. Uh, but guess what? You kind of get to know how to make it work. So I think the future of work is going to be altered significantly by the experience of the past year uh, in, in many ways. So I think there'll be uh, the norm will be a balance of office bound and remote working, right? So we won't be either fully office or fully remote. Some will um, be fully remote. There are some organizations who have announced that. But that blend sort of provides the optionality there. I think that causes us to rethink the role of the office. You know, is it a bank of desks with good screens? Or is it actually a place that people come together in a team to collaborate and jointly work on problems? or uh, to create an experiential, um, uh, you know, setting. Um, so it's going to re, uh, recut uh, and recast the role of the office. I think um, geographic flexibility, you know, more broadly the heading of flexibility, I think will permeate the future of work. Geographic flexibility, I've got 10 people in my London-based team, and they're in six different countries right now. I've got one... Romania, another one in uh, Pakistan, I've got another one uh, or couple in France, I've got one in Spain, and that's because they, they, choose, uh, they chose to be around their family, their friends and family, they, they you know, maybe had a, um, a single person's flat, um, you know, one bedroom flat type thing, and it's just better to be around. So geographic flexibility, I think it's opened our, our, uh, our minds to that. Time flexibility, so when do you work? Um, yeah. Does it have to be, you know, in the in the nine to five bracket, uh, Monday to Friday? Uh, no, not not really, uh, not really, unless you're sort of keeping shop hours. Um, it can it can shift. Job sharing, I think, is going to be uh, an emerging trend where people perhaps have um, or an individual job is done by several people in a sort of baton passing way. Yeah. And likewise, more part time work, I think, will become. Um, the norm as people start to explore their passions outside work, whether that's a different job or a side business yeah. or just a passion. I think that's going to be more common as well. It's just caused us to rethink our values, hasn't it, Rob? Yeah, uh, absolutely has. And I think, you know, if we, um, if, if we go from that choose to um, take this opportunity to rethink um, and to implement that, we can end up with a more hopeful but more adult world where people are trusted to do their jobs because they've shown that they can um and so this command and control needing to be at your desk at 8 30 because it happens to be a monday morning i think it's gone and actually you know, i love the word magnificent that we go to the word the office because something magnificent is happening whether that's connecting with colleagues collaborating you know some some deep thinking with your colleagues whatever it might be um not just because that's where we happen to do our work um so i'm with you on that so one more question for me. I'm trying to collect a, uh, a series of well-being golden nuggets, your one piece of wisdom that you'd be happy to share for others to consume, to try and inspire people. What, what will be your one nugget, Craig? Yeah, we've talked about this a, a little, so it probably won't come as a surprise, but I'd say the beauty of a side hustle. Yeah. 
um, it, it gives you that sort of mental, that neural, that well-being um, balanced diet um, that complements and augments um, what you do during the day. And hopefully what you do during the day is also your passion, your why. Brilliant. So complementing what you do with a side hustle. I love it. Craig, thank you so much for joining me, investing your time with me today. It's been a real pleasure to uh, to speak with you um, and gain your insights both as a human, an awesome human, and, um, and from Google as well. So thank you for joining. My pleasure, Rob. So this is the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. Uh, next up, uh, next week, we're going to have a chat with Dr. Marcus Rani, who is the former GM for Thrive Global in India and is now the founder and CEO of a consultancy called The Human Edge. Look forward to that. Thanks for tuning in.